and wait, wait till you see what happens this April 15th, Caleb. Wait till you see what happens. Because in our infinite wisdom, we have decided to help people during this period of time that we're in by advancing some of their tax credits. So some of the things that we, we were used to getting a credit for on April 15th against what we otherwise would pay, yep. we got advanced. Yep. Well, guess what? That means you're not going to get it April 15th. Yep. And if you didn't adjust your expectation for what's going to happen on April 15th. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. All right, everybody. I want to welcome back Brian Bloom to the show. It's not every day that I get to re-interview somebody that's had such a tremendous impact on my life. I, I remember exactly where I was in the basement of a Papa John's building, interviewing you for the first time. You're correcting me multiple times as I'm saying income and you're saying cash flow. And I remember back after we were done with that podcast, and I remember someone reaching out to me 10, 10, 20 days. No one listened to my podcast back in the day, just an FYI. And someone did. And they're like, man, that was like the most impactful podcast. And Brian, just the way that he speaks, gets me to start thinking differently. And I remember reflecting back on reading your books and my journey of learning about money and life insurance. And I just want to thank you, number one, for putting yourself out there, taking time, writing not just one book, not just two books, but really putting together a material that helps people understand how, how to think about money. And I want to thank you for your friendship and for your mentorship and for your encouragement. So with that intro, man, thank you for coming back on the show. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about where we are, just where the world is. I know that you updated your book, and so I'm hoping my, my audience can go and, and support you, but, but to actually go and buy your book and review it. Um, and whatever else you want to talk about, man, this is a platform that I'm looking forward to discuss with you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So it's been a while. Why don't you give just our audience just an update on how, how, how life's been for you, what big changes you're seeing right now in the life insurance space, what big changes you're seeing just in the financial space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, in, in the overall financial space, <clears throat> there's a lot of pressure right now, um, especially on interest rates. You know, I, I said 10 years ago, you know, interest rates have to go up and they haven't. And that uh, year after year, uh, continuing to keep interest rates low um, has a, 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 a real problem effect on all the markets, including life insurance. And so, um, you know, I've been adjusting uh, over the last uh, 20 years that I've been doing this personally uh, with, with clients. Before that, I did it, uh, I did counseling with people in retirement planning, specifically um, deferred plans, which today I would never do. Um, but, you know, God gave me the, the career path that I had to get public um, pension plan experience, private pension plan experience. So I would know what didn't work. And then for the last 20 years, I've been, I've been working on helping people understand why what I was taught to be true has turned out not to be. And that was the first book 10 years ago. That's the, it's the same title as I have now, uh, but it's a different cover this time because it's been updated. Um, some of the charts were 10 years old, even though they still apply today. So I updated charts. Um, I, I, you know, I took the COVID years as the, as the years in which to, to write this. So it has 
effects from COVID in it and what lessons we learned from COVID. And then it, it also has a, a couple new chapters, uh, one, one in particular on taxes, a new revelation I had on taxes. And, um, and here we are in 2022 off to the races. The, the sad reality is if you're watching this on YouTube, I probably had to block off every time Brian said the C word because YouTube hates, hates when people talk about um, the pandemic um, and puts a name to it. Uh, but if you're listening to this on the podcast, you, you can hear this unedited. I, I love it, man. It's, it, it's crazy, the world that we're in. I mean, you have always been big on this concept of opportunity cost, which I'm hoping to talk about that uninterrupted compounding your book capital equivalent value of life insurance i still think has made I, that's my favorite book i mean it's not necessarily the simplest book out of i would highly recommend them get you know confessions of a cpa but the capital equivalent value of life insurance my goodness like made me take a step back and it's like everyone is comparing life insurance with dividend rates and all these things but at the end of the day you were you were the one that said hey guys what's the purpose of this whole thing to begin with why are we saving? Why are we investing? Shouldn't we analyze assets on the type of cash flow that they're producing? And that that concept, I was like, oh, yes. And so why don't, I mean, let's talk about one of those things that I brought up um, as it relates to taxes, capital equivalent value, opportunity costs, uninterrupted compounding. Mm -hmm. you, let's, let's talk a little bit because I, I definitely think like those are key concepts that I want our audience to understand, like actually understand, but I also want them to hear it from another person because I try my best to articulate those concepts, but yeah. it's always beneficial when we hear someone else that has been an author that speaks, that has a ton of clients of his own, how they articulate certain things. Right, so so let, let's talk about capital equivalent value since, since you brought it up, because it is the one calculation that I have never seen any other financial advisor calculate. They'll calculate the internal rate of return, the IRR. They'll calculate all kinds of stuff, but no one will calculate what I call the interim rate of return on an investment. I mean, let's face it, Caleb, can you go down to the grocery store with a percentage sign in your back pocket and pay for a bag of groceries? No, no one's interested in your rate of return when it comes time to spend the money, but they'll take your dollars, won't they? Absolutely. So why are we so fixated on a rate of return when when you boil all this down, all people want is a fair exchange for the money they put in versus the money they take out it. It's easy. You know, if I if I find that to be a good value, then then I should be pursuing that. So what capital equivalent value is, is that is that interim mark that calculates how much money you have to have by the time you retire in order to enjoy the cash flow stream that you want. And no one will tell you that. They'll tell you the IRR, but they won't calculate the capital equivalent value and then consequently the capital equivalent value rate of return. And so that's the essence of capital equivalent value and it's not, it's not out there. What Can we actually walk through the equation? Like how do you actually do the equation for the analytical people? Sure, I'll try to remember a few numbers off the top of my head, but let's just say you want $60,000 to live on in addition to your social security and anything else that you've got, you've got going on. And, and you understand uh, concepts of safe withdrawal rates and a safe withdrawal rate just means the, you know, where you feel comfortable with a distribution stream of dollars so that you won't, won't run out of money before you run out of life. And, you know, people are looking at, you know, 96, 97, 98 
percent probability because they, I mean, that's the greatest fear in retirement is you're going to run out of money. Yeah. So they're looking at those rates. So now that means that when you do the analysis of of drawing money out of a nest egg while that nest egg stays invested, the safe withdrawal rate is somewhere between 2.8% and 4%. So I take three and a half. I, I, I compromise in the middle. So if you take $60,000 and you divide it by three and a half percent, you get about $1.7 million if your investment into a, a plan is $100,000 a year for 10 years. Okay, so that's kind of the way it's set up. $100,000 a year for 10 years had better uh, grow to $1.7 million at the end of that 10 years so you can take out $60,000 a year. Now, there's more to account for. And this is where the, the capital equivalent value book comes in because is 60-60? No, because number one, what if, what if your investment is a 401k plan or an IRA? Yeah. Well, now the 60 is taxable. Well, now instead of $1.7 million, you got to have 2.3 or, or yeah. whatever that's going to be. And then you also have to consider that if it's coming from a taxable source, well, that's probably going to trigger taxes on your Social Security. And if you count in the taxes on your Social Security and, and increase your nest egg, your capital equivalent value has to go up to compensate for the extra taxes on Social Security. And then you got Medicare. I mean, Caleb, you know, that's that free health insurance that's, I think- this That I'll never see, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's costing everybody today $170 a month yeah. for free, you know. Um, you have to account for that as well. Yep. And so when you do all that, now the capital equivalent value has gone from that 1.7 to somewhere close to three. And that means in the 10 years that you're saving for that day of retirement, you had better be getting close to upper teen rates of return. Now, as I say to my clients, if you can do that, God bless you, go do it. If you don't think you can, if you don't think you can do it, let's talk about a vehicle that a strategy that will give you $60,000 a year right. might not give you 10, 12% yep. rate of return, but it's going to give you the money you want to right. retire on. And that's that was just a big concept because life insurance when set up and used properly, the big criticism is, oh, buy term and invest the difference. And oh, you it's a terrible investment, which is true. It's not an investment at all. And it's and so they they beat everything up, but they're all looking at the rate of return. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, you just you just said if you go to the grocery store, I'm not pulling up my average rate of return and banking rolling on that. It's sure. it's all about the actual cash flow that you mm -hmm. get in some people call it retirement or in the future, whatever that looks like for you. And right. so your whole concept is like, hey, I have this thing that's maybe not as sexy going up the mountain, but it, it produces cash flow. And oh, by the way, in a 401k or in a, an alternative account, you would have to earn high teens to produce exactly what this boring old other product's doing. And what you're doing is you're not saying that life insurance is going to outperform your 401k. I, I hope the 401k does a whole lot better than life insurance. You're just saying on the output, the actual cash flow metric, it does pretty darn well because of how it's designed. And one of the things that I've, I've used the capital equivalent value is whether someone uses solely life insurance or as a part of the portfolio, the concept is the same. Mm -hmm. Let's measure cash flow. Now, there's tax exempt cash flow and there's taxable cash flow. And you, you also talked about you need to factor in other things um, because not all cash flow is created equal. 
And so anything else that you want to mention on that, because it's helped me be a more critical thinker. And it's been cool because you use the life insurance example, but regardless of what assets I, I compare to, I'm always now doing the capital equivalent value of that. And whether it's factoring taxes or not, it's helped me be a better investor. Yeah. Well, it's funny you ask it that way because uh, my wife, Pam, and I had this conversation just last night. She said, do you, how, do you think we'll use our life insurance? And she said, what was your original intention for buying our life insurance? And, you know, life changes. And I told her, you see, it, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, life insurance can be used in so many ways. And this was this came on the conversation of estate taxes and is life insurance a taxable asset for estates? And she wanted to know. And, you know, I basically said, you know, the, my original intention for our life insurance is that we were going to take loans against the death benefit in order to supplement our retirement. And, and, and the reason why we would take loans against the death benefit is because the longer she and I live together in retirement, the less one of us is going to live as a survivor. So who needs all that death benefit? Yeah. I mean, when you're 90, how much do you need? You're not, well, not that much. But people could end up with a lot. So right. why not spend that down? And so if you take a loan from your life insurance contract and you spend it during your retirement, all you're doing is reducing the ultimate death benefit. And guess what? Because it's a loan, it's not taxable to the IRS. You know, and I said, but I think we've, we've moved away from that. And, and I said, some other people might might use a life insurance policy to aggressively pay down their mutual funds. Right. And if they aggressively pay down their mutual funds and they run out of money, guess what? Someone's going to die first and then all that money comes back and you get to spend it again. That's another way people use it. I had Dr. Wade follow on the on the show and we talked about the volatility buffer. Yeah. And that is what, what I love about this concept is you don't have to argue with people. No. The, the question is, the question is this, is your retirement, I hate the word retirement, by the way, but is your future better or worse with life insurance in it? Yes. And I have not <laughs> seen a scenario where it's worse off. I no. believe people's financial lives, it gives you options. If you're in love with your, if your stocks, amazing. And life insurance can actually enhance your stock portfolio. And then, and then in relationship to that volatility buffer, people will use it that way too. Stock market's up, you take your distribution from the stock market. Stock market's down, you take a distribution from your death benefit and you let your your, your mutual funds recover. Yeah. So that's, that's another use. And then eventually it, it's it's legacy. It's, it's yep. moving it on to the next generation or, or to a charity. And then we talked about the concept of buying dollars for pennies. Yep. And, life insurance just has so many ripple effects. It doesn't matter how your life turned out differently than what it was. Yep. I mean, I, mean, I you know, you know, I've, I've written in the book about my brother. He was my first client. He died at 54. Yep. We set him up for retirement, but guess what? Yep. The legacy he left for his nieces. Oh my gosh. Their lives are so much different because of what he set up, but it wasn't what he intended. Right. But it worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, so many things. I mean, it's life insurance is a powerful asset, not just in the cash flow world, but in the whole legacy protection world, you are ensuring impact regardless of what your life looks like. Mm -hmm. You're either going to live it and see it out, or you're going to die prematurely. And hopefully if you think with the end in mind, th those dollars can go towards the things that you care most about. I want to, I want to not necessarily correct, 
but I want to clarify, YouTube has made me a much better communicator because on a daily basis, I get to read negative comments about, about all these things about myself. So you talk multiple times about borrowing against the death benefit. Yes. I want, I want you to break that down because I understand what you're saying, but I get people on a weekly basis coming in thinking that they can their lien or loan availability is actually the death benefit, not the cash value. Can you break down the cash value and death benefit relationship and, and why you say it's a lien against the death benefit, which is correct, but for the people, the trolls out there that don't, don't want to take time to listen are going to jump all over that statement. Yeah. So come on, an insurance company is a financial institution. Uh, they're in business to make money and they make money by churning your money turning it over over and I don't care if it's a life insurance company, if it's a bank, they're all looking to keep your money in motion for their benefit yep. while they teach you to just stack it up. See, they teach us one thing and they do another thing. So when you, so, so I, I've heard a lot of life insurance people say, well, well you're borrowing your, your cash value. You're borrowing your money. And I go, why would you want to borrow your own money? That doesn't make any sense. And, and and the the deal here is when you're borrowing death benefit you're borrowing your future value of your life insurance and your cash value is the governor in regards to how much you can borrow from your dead self now, i i like using that phrase i borrow from my dead self i mean come on i'm driving a car that that i'm financing with my 105 year old future value. Am I going to pay that back? No, I'm spending my death benefit now. Now it's a loan. It, the insurance company is charging me interest on that loan and they're reducing my future death benefit by that interest. It is a financial uh, situation, but do I care? No, not really. Because if you utilize the life insurance policy right, the the loan interest is offset by the growth of the death benefit from reinvesting your dividends so it it's it's actually a, a a net positive to your dead self all the way through age 88 when you have a loan outstanding your your cash value is your collateral your cash value is your governor it determines how much of your dead self you can spend before you die i think that was well well stated uh we we have the the only the only thing I'll I'll say and it just it, it I think it has a lot to do with the different types of people that we're talking to is um, when you take a loan you better value whatever you're doing with that money greater than the cost because it is a cost it is a cost on your future self but if we're thinking multiple generations you're not flippantly taking a loan and saying it's 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 the most efficient thing for you to do when you measure today and future. And now you have an asset that's going to be compounding to the day that you die. And mm -hmm. that's an incredible thing. Mm -hmm. And I love how you articulate that because you are taking a loan against your future death benefit, but the cash value is the governor and how much you can take. Because right. if you think about it from the insurance company standpoint, they cannot be in a position where they're going to lose money. And so right. that's, I always ask people like, why do you think insurance companies can be the only company that can guarantee you a loan and not require you to have to pay it back on a certain time period? And people start thinking like, interest i don't know well it's there your cash value is the collateral mm -hmm. if you if you walk out you're gonna die it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a future for sure liability that the insurance company is planning for 
and they're going to either get paid now or in the future, but they're playing a lifetime game. And so I just think it's understanding that it's, it, life insurance is one of the greatest assets of all time because of so many built-in measures, and it's just playing a legacy game. And when you can think with the end in mind, you can really be strategic. Anything that you want to say before we talk about taxes? Sure. It's, what you're describing is a perfected loan. They can't lose. It's a perfect loan. That's why they don't care what you're going to use it for. You know, you go to the bank and you ask for a loan. They want to know what you're going to use it for. Well, a life insurance company, because it's a perfect loan. Now, before we go on to taxes, I got, I got a question for you. So if I paid for that car that I bought with my dead self's money, if I bought it with cash, Caleb, did I take a loan? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. Every financial decision we make is a loan. It's either borrowing someone else's money or it's borrowing our future. Right. Because that 50 grand that I spent for the vehicle, it'll never, ever earn an investment return ever again. Right. Everything's a loan. And, and so then do you think I'm crazy for taking a credit union 2% loan for the car, knowing that I finance everything that we purchased, everything's a loan. I would much rather get cheaper money knowing that I have the liquidity and access I could, you know, pay cash for the car, or I could take a loan against my life insurance policy, where I'm the, I would say the logical thinker, but I, you know, is I'm like, okay, because everything's a loan, I'm going to see, I'm going to access the cheapest money I can get if I'm okay with the structured payments. That's right. If you're okay. See, now you're, you're still young enough where death benefit is really important to you. So you have to have a keen eye on right. what happens if you die. I don't. Right. Okay. And so do I want the 2% credit union loan or do I want the 4% life insurance loan? Knowing I never have to pay back the 4% life insurance loan, I'm probably going to take that. Right. Because I want to keep getting the 2% from the credit union. So we can yep. debate that all you want, but typically you're looking for cheaper money. But the big caveat, Caleb, is are you okay with the structured payment? Correct. And, and it just, it all comes down to um, the concept is when you're going to buy something, Number one, make the decision without life insurance. Do you have cash? Like, just make the decision. Can you buy that? Should can you afford that? However, metric you you decide. Once you make that decision, you yes, I'm going to buy that house. Yes, I'm going to buy that car. Yes, I'm going to do this thing. The next question is, what is the most efficient or optimized way for you to do that? Unfortunately, people combine that, and so they say, I have the money. I have the life insurance, I have the credit availability, so I'm gonna buy this thing. And that would say like, hey, cash, life insurance, having good credit actually enabled you to buy something that you shouldn't buy. And so one of the things that I feel like a broken record right now is helping our clients, our community say, number one, should you buy this thing? If the answer is yes, then number two is, what is the most optimized for you right. in buying that? There are two right. decisions and unfortunately, thanks to Dave Ramsey and other people, we've combined them into one. So that, so when Dave Ramsey is saying debt is bad, I think what he's saying is don't overconsume, and debt is enabling you to overconsume, which I would agree. Mm -hmm. So it's just, this is, oh. this, this is a good, I love this discussion. I love talking to you because we're able to talk deeply about some powerful financial aspects that can make a real difference in someone's right. life. And, and beyond Dave Ramsey, the car dealerships, they want to put it all together along with you're, you're, you're buying a new car, you're selling an old car, and you're paying for it. 
and they want you to put all that together so you're so darn confused you have no right. idea what you're doing and they sell you the car yep yeah and 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 i'll just say i'll just you keep teeing me up you like put t-balls on a t for me uh what i would say with that is get the cash offer oh yeah zero percent it ain't zero percent it's not zero percent because you got to factor in the actual price you could pay paying a zero percent loan but you're paying a forty five thousand dollar car and if you came in with cash they would they would charge you a forty thousand for example right. so right. it's only zero percent is if you agree on the cash buy offer and then right. you do a zero percent see if they would do that and then that's a true zero percent no they, they won't and well, the other thing caleb in, in that whole scenario if i'm getting zero percent in my mind i don't really care how much car i'm buying i'll hey at zero percent i'll buy a lot and then i end up with a 500 dollars a month car payment i can't afford and right. now we do need to talk to dave ramsey yeah absolutely dave <laughs> give me a call anytime you're welcome on my show anytime i can't wait to <laughs> talk so to you fun. <laughs> um all right let's talk about taxes it's yeah. it's a crazy year i want this to be an evergreen podcast so let's talk about this year but let's also talk about what to expect in the future it's crazy, it's out of control, and you've been pretty consistent in your professional life about taxes ain't coming down anytime soon. Let's let's unpack that. Do you, is there anything new that you've discovered that's increased that conviction, or have you kind of stepped back from that conviction and saying, hey, maybe, maybe I was wrong? Well, Caleb, you tell me. Based on what we've been through the last two years, and I won't use the word, but based on what we've been through the last two years, do you think our government's gonna need more money or less money in the future. We're we're at a point where I don't I don't know what to do, but we're definitely the government's going to continue to want more money just to bankroll their cash flow obligations. Right. Now, who are they going to get it from and how are they going to get it is the bigger question. Yep. If they're going to get it from income taxes, then doesn't that mean that today's income tax rate, which we think is obscene, really on sale? Because we haven't seen obscenity yet. And the answer is yes, if they're gonna take it from, from, from as an income tax. Now, oh, but they're only gonna raise taxes on anybody who makes over $400,000. Really? No, not really. Because there, there's, there's a scenario, and I don't know if I can remember this or not, but there was a guy who was earning $150,000 a year and he got a $10,000 bonus at the end of the year. And because he got a 10,000 bonus at the end of the year, his income taxes in lieu, in, in, in regards to what credits he no longer was entitled to, his income taxes went up $12,000. He got a $10,000 raise and owed $12,000 more. I mean, that was a $150,000 wage earner, not 400, Right. So they're coming after everybody. And and just be clear, you you're factoring in lost credits because that wouldn't be possible in our progressive tax tier right. as it is. But he he made so much that he lost some type of credits where right. he when you look at the net loss, he he lost money. Wow, that's wild. But it's all it's all um, reconciled on your income tax return. Yep. It's either it, the credits are tax credits. They just reduce what you otherwise, otherwise would have to pay. So it, it's all tied in the tax structure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The, in my theory is, is this, inflation is a tax on everybody, especially the middle class, um, but it's a tax on everybody for two reasons. It devalues our dollar. So it's, we have to pay more to just 
live our life, which is in a sense a tax. Sure. If you don't pay taxes, you're not able to live your life. You're going to be thrown in jail kind of deal. So that's number one. But number two, it's this is a sneaky thing that the government does. They don't raise taxes, but they just dilute your dollars, bumping you up. Yeah, you got to raise, but guess what? You actually have to pay more net taxes. So not only are we have our dollars are more diluted, it costs us more to just live our life, but we actually are writing bigger checks to the government. So the net, we, we actually have a net loss when we when we see inflation like this, and it hurts the people the most that can't invest the difference. And right. this is why, I mean, this is why it's, we need to call out politicians. We need to call out anybody that's, that's pro the Fed printing a bunch of money because what they're actually doing is making the middle class and completely poorer. And the people that aren't even in the middle class, you're not even giving them a shot. Whereas the, the people like you and myself, it does affect us. We do pay more taxes, but we are saving and investing the, right. the difference. And so we're able to at least come off a little, maybe a farther ahead or at least break yeah. even. Inflation's a, a direct tax on the middle class. And, and so we need to continue to be loud and call out yeah. politicians on both sides. Republicans and Democrats like to print money. And I yeah. think it's one of the biggest problems we have in the future if we actually understand how the Fed works. That's right. And wait, wait till you see what happens this April 15th, Caleb. Wait till you see what happens. Because in our infinite wisdom, we have decided to help people during this period of time that we're in by advancing some of their tax credits. So some of the things that we, we were used to getting a credit for on April 15th against what we otherwise would pay, yep. we got advanced. Yep. Well, guess what? That means you're not going to get it April 15th. Yep. And if you didn't adjust your expectation for what's going to happen on April 15th, there's going to be a lot of tax bills yep. that people are not prepared for because guess what? They didn't save the child tax credit that they got advanced and it's gone and they're going to be stuck with an IRS bill. Yep. And, and it's these advanced credits. See, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. How is it that, that we're coming out of this time, but we can't find people to employ? Why is the workforce so depressed? Why, why don't people want jobs? Well, guess what? They're getting advanced child tax credits. They don't need to work. Well, that's going to come to a screeching halt come April fifteenth. Interesting. We we will, we will see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think. I think across the board, people people don't feel like we're better off right now. On whatever you want to, you can look back at any time frame. And I think it's just it just there there seems to be a lot of bloat. So yeah. we we'll see. What is your prediction? I you can't give financial advice on here, but is is the message pretty much be really hyper aware of your future obligation as it relates to taxes and it's not locked in it's not like a 30-year mortgage where you can lock in your rate they could literally increase your rate and threshold or most likely they'll just mess with the threshold so they don't change the rate but they're you're paying more tax is your recommendation get out of the deferral game and do you want to unpack what deferral means to you yeah, so what, what they're going to do is what Ronald Reagan did, except they're going to do it a little bit different. So Ronald Reagan reduced tax rates, okay, to because that's, that's what gets all the media attention. Tax rates came down, but he also reduced the thresholds. So reduce and reduce, that just means the higher tax rate is applied at a lower amount of money. Well, we're in such dire straits today 
is that we're going to reduce the thresholds, but we're going to increase the tax rates, and they're going to go both ways. I mean, Caleb, the the if you pay income taxes, did you know you're a minority? <laughs> now that's a sobering thought. Yeah, it is. Because the majority, if they don't pay taxes, do they care about tax rates going up? No. So what are they going to vote for? Tax the rich. They're going to, so they're okay with tax rates going up, but what they're going to not see is tax thresholds go down. And before you know it, they caught themselves. Yep. Yep. So yeah, do I want to put off till tomorrow what I could pay today? You know what that's called? It's called debt. <laughs> no, it's called debt. Yeah, that's right. And Wait, Dave yeah. Ramsey's all about getting out of debt. Yet he's going to tell you, don't pay your taxes today. Put that money in the 401k plan so you don't have to pay taxes today. Yeah, you'll have to pay them in the future, but he doesn't tell you that's debt. It is. It is. You owe the IRS X amount of money today. You just figured out a way how not to pay it until the future. That's debt. It's a debt where your your creditor can change the rates and terms at any time, which is a little bit frightening. I like to say it's a debt at some uncertain rate due on some uncertain date. Yeah. Do you have any exciting things that can like lighten the mood right now? Like <laughs> <laughs> your people will like start dropping like flies. They're like, wow, I'm I'm now more depressed than ever. But but I want I want you to know this. And if you follow this show and you follow what we're up to, like we've never been more excited about where we're at because we're changing the metric of like intentional living is the goal. Let's get our money. It's just a tool to live intentionally. We talked before we even started recording, like there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of hope. You don't have to be working, but you are for a reason. So why don't let's, let's end on a, on some exciting tones from a standpoint of what you're seeing. What are some opportunities that people can take advantage? Anything else you want to talk about your book, but like, mm -hmm. how can people take what we know to be true and what we know that's going to happen in the future and how can we use that as an advantage and how we can live more intentionally now and into the future right and it, it's all it's all personal um because we can either choose to follow all the lemmings and and just keep doing what we're doing or we can open our eyes and and think think differently you know i i i get my quotes mixed up it's either victor hugo or albert zangori he said, discovery is seeing what everyone has seen, but doing what no one has done or thinking what no one else has thought. And that that's true discovery. So, you know, that's what this book is all about. Why what I was taught to be true has turned out not to be. It's time to open our eyes and it's time to understand where 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 everyone's going wrong and, and how we can do it differently. And that's exciting. Truth is exciting. You know, it's, you know, if you're, if you're driving down the road and you're in a bunch of traffic, do you always keep your eyes straight ahead? No, you look up a little bit into the rear view mirror. Yeah. And I know today we got the new technology where the side view mirror kind of lights up when someone's next to you. But you know what we used to do before those electronic devices, you'd have to turn your head just a little bit and make sure there wasn't a semi next to you. That's all we're asking people to do. Instead of driving with your blinders on, turn your head a little bit and say, is there another way? And learn why what we thought to be true has turned out not to be. And then do something different. The future is, is, is bright 
for people who are willing to think outside of the box. You know, the biggest danger of, of, of people is not following everyone else. And it's hard to step outside of your box of comfort. You know, we, we, we surround ourselves and we, we don't want to move outside of our comfort zone. But you know what? If you move outside of your comfort zone, all you need is a coach, Caleb, someone like you, who can make your comfort zone bigger. That comes through education. And if you make your comfort zone bigger, well, then you're going to be able to be successful in the future. So, so many good things. I, um, I'm a big fan of homeschooling. Um, mm-hmm. I was, um, I was a product of, of the homeschooling. And, um, I think one of the things that I am grateful for from that is thinking differently. Cause when you're the oldest of six kids, when you were homeschooled 20 years ago, it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing. Um, right. and you were kind of looked down at, and there's definitely wasn't perfect, but what I'm grateful for is I, I very much got trained, whether I knew it or not at the time to start thinking differently, start learning how I learned. And that has really set me up to having these different philosophies. Cause I couldn't agree more. I mean, freedom is living life intentionally. And part of doing that is you need to start thinking for yourself and not just be a robot for any side on what they say. It's like, it's someone, someone said it this way. There's, there's a few bad people in the world. And then there's, then there's the useful idiots that are just walking around repeating. And I truly believe that. Like, I don't believe there's people out there, a lot of people out there that are intentionally saying like, you know, do this, like, like they're not intentionally thinking. They're just, this is what I've been taught from X, Y, or Z. So it must be true. And Unfortunately, they can be furthering problems on whatever area that we want to talk about because they're just repeating facts that are not true. Right. And, and so my hope and my hope for anyone watching this and listening to this is in whatever area of your life, start thinking critically. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about your book is you, you break it down. You yeah, break down you. money concepts. Um, yes, you have some solutions in there, but overall, my hope is that people are more critical thinkers after reading your book and watching this podcast. Well, I've got some news for you. This is exciting for me. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into uh, fiction writing. And the first one is based on the confessions of a CPA book. There's been a murder on campus and the finance dean has been found dead. And it's going to take a traditional thinking professor along with his out of the box, always questioning student to work together to solve the finance dean's murder so the accounting professor is not next. And that's coming this spring. And it'll be inside of the book and, and the, the mystery piece of this will be all the principles that, that we just talked I about. I love it. I want, I want uh, one of the first copies signed. So put me on whatever list that is. I'm really excited about it. I'm, it's so I'm, much fun. <laughs> I'm excited to, to read that as well. Anything else that you you want to share as as it relates to opportunity cost, your book, what you're seeing in the world? Um, this I just want this to to end with a bang. And so, any, any anything else that's present to you right now, just feel free to share that with our audience. Oh gosh, there, there's there's a lot of things, and things are changing all the time. Um, what we do best as human beings is is think and process and question. Don't ever stop questioning. It's always good because the person who is 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 
the person who has the truth will welcome the questions because there's a it's a great opportunity to talk about it and to help another person and that's what we're all i mean that's what's going on here where it's just one person helping another to move forward and yeah. i would just encourage everyone just keep questioning keep asking keep thinking keep moving forward and the, and i think the future is bright i i appreciate you so much for taking time to come on the show i can't wait to have you back on to talk about fiction it'll be yeah. potentially the first fiction author I've ever uh, uh, <laughs> interviewed. But um, I just appreciate you so much. How can our audience support you? Obviously, buying, buying your book and reviewing it is a huge, huge win as an author. Yeah. Is there anything else that would be yeah. key? I'm glad you mentioned that because, yes, there is. You, you see that, that, that word right next to the uh, graduation cap, the, the small one that says T-R-U-E? Um, it seems that one of the major book retailers is having trouble with that being in the title. Interesting. And so if you go and you search for Confessions of a CPA, you won't find this book. You'll really? find all the old, you, that's right. You will not find this book. You will find all the other ones, including the one, the original work of this that does have that word in there, but you won't find this one. So if you, if you go there, you need to, you need to search for Confessions of a CPA Y. And if you search for it that way, it'll pop right up. <laughs> the, the other thing, and I don't, I'm assuming this will work, is if they click your name on Amazon, Brian Bloom, I'm sure it will, that you'll, yeah. they'll see all your books. It, 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 you have to work at it. That's yeah. the problem. You know, it's not just okay. a simple, well, you know, heck, the word confessions ought to bring it up. Yeah. You know, but totally. it does. And we, we'll get a link from you. So yeah. we'll make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll have a link. If you're listening to this, we'll definitely have a link so that, that you can check it out. But that's, that should make us want to uh, support this project even more. Um, I believe that we're coming under attack and anybody that thinks for themselves is going to get um, attacked harder because they're a threat to the greater good. With yeah. that wonderful ending, thank you so much. I hope everyone has a, a intentional day. And we just really appreciate you articulating some things that it's been a while since I've talked about capital equivalent value and taxes and opportunity costs and you finance everything that you purchase and some talking about tax strategies. And so um, you, my day has been made and I, I look forward to getting this published. Well, thanks for having me on your, your podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.